Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is time for another glorious and awesome edition of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. Michael Shibley with you here, your humble host, yet glorious host, and still the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting. We're here. Football season is here. We had games over the weekend. We had Florida-Miami in just a mess of a game that was at least entertaining to watch. And then, of course, pinball action between Arizona and Hawaii. And, uh, hey, the over-covered on that one, the under-covered. I won both bets, which was really cool to see. So it's good to start uh, the college football betting season winning money, which is always good. My goodness, again. And it was sloppy. Both teams definitely playing like they had to play a week before everybody else. And my goodness, Khalil Tate tackled at the one-yard line trying to scramble in to uh, tie the game, which was great. And then, of course, you had Miami with a chance to win it at the end. But my goodness, there were 40 penalties and 13 turnovers in both games. So... Again, we'll see. I don't think this is a harbor of things to come. I think it was probably just an aberration because, again, both teams playing early or all four teams really playing early. So we'll see how it all goes. But games were on. The Florida-Miami game was the highest rated uh, college football game that ESPN has had in three years for a regular season matchup. So that was great to see people tired of seeing preseason college football, ready to see some real life. Not preseason college football. There's no preseason in college football. It's preseason NFL games. What am I talking? I'm just hyped. I'm hyped for actual football coming. And of course, we're going to break it all down here on Modern Day Gladiators. We've talked all the other big conferences. All we got left is my favorite conference, the SCC, where of course my beloved Tennessee Vols play. We'll see where they are, what type of big games we've got in week one. And of course, the big answer of all of this, who's going to lift the trophy at the end of the season? We'll see what happens there. And of course, in shibbles and bits, we're going to talk about Andrew Luck retiring. The Little League World Series was decided. And of course, we've got in professional wrestling, AEW All Out is this weekend. So again, a huge weekend in sports and professional wrestling. We're going to talk all about it here on Modern Day Gladiators. But of course, first, you got to listen to everything else we've got going on on the Outlander Media Network. We are just all at CreepyCon. We got some great interviews there. You can check all those out on all the other different podcasts we've got. Scared Stupid with Chris Bell, Haffle, DLC Respawn, Deadbeat Radio. We've got some great things coming there, some great interviews. I'm just excited to talk about all of it. And of course, you can check out outlandermedia.net. That's where we've got all the podcasts in one happy little place. And, of course, you can check us out wherever you get your fine podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. We're all there wherever you listen. Please give us those five-star reviews. Rate, subscribe, five stars everywhere you can. We will love you forever if you do that for us and help us take over the world. We're coming. We got a lot of other big, big stuff coming your way. And, of course, you can interact with me, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting. You can check me out on any type of social media. I've got the Modern Day Gladiators on Instagram and Facebook. Just give us a follow and a like, posting updates and things there. And of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley. You don't like what I've got to say. You want to debate me. I'm all for it. Hit me up 
on the Twitter there. So let's dive into the SEC, where again, you look at it top to bottom. Yes, Alabama looked just amazing going through the regular season. You've got Georgia, you've got Florida ending the season on a really strong note, LSU exceeding expectations, Kentucky winning 10 games for the first time and seemed like forever. So you had a really good season, but it ended disappointing with Georgia losing to Texas in the bowl game. Alabama, of course, the big one, just stubbing their toe and getting blown out by Trevor Lawrence and Clemson in the national championship game. So, again, the SEC, top to bottom, still probably the strongest conference out there. And I will argue with you, depending on where you want to go when you talk depth-wise and everything like that, you know, matchup for matchup. But I still think the SEC is by far the most competitive conference in college football, and again, the West is still a little more stacked than the East, but the East has gotten much better, especially with the rise of the Georgia Bulldogs, and I know Chase and Terry, two of the guys from Halfle, big, big Georgia fans, and of course, we'll break all of that down here. Let's talk about, again, what we've got coming up this season, because you look at the top 25 and the the rankings that came out, you've got Six teams in the top 25, Alabama at number two, Georgia three, LSU six, Florida at eight, Texas A&M at 12, and Auburn at 16. So again, you've got the talent there. Now let's see if they can deliver. And is anybody going to be able to get into that title game besides Georgia and Alabama or into the playoffs out of the SEC? We'll have to see. But let's break down, of course, the SEC East first. And again, my pick to win it. Is, is the Georgia Bulldogs, especially after what Florida and I saw happen with Florida in that Miami game. I, I wasn't going to pick Florida to begin with, but it was a lot tougher decision after uh, before the Florida-Miami game. But now we've got what happened with them. And again, Florida is having some issues with, again, the offensive line needs some retooling. They had some leaks there. They were prone to turnovers. Felipe Franks was not the same guy that he was in the last four games of the regular season where he looked like just the the five-star recruit that he was supposed to be. And again, we'll see. Is this an aberration? I think it was. I think Florida will settle down. I still don't think all the Tennessee fans that were out there tweeting that my beloved Vols are finally going to you know, beat Florida again, and I was like, I don't see that really happening. I mean, Florida's still really good. They still won the game, and Miami, I think, is a really good team as well in the ACC. We talked about that in the ACC preview, but I'm picking Georgia to win the East. You look at Fromm. He, I mean, first of all, he can fend off any other five-star recruit that comes in in the quarterback position. He also just knows how to win. He's got DeAndre Swift still back behind him at running back, so we'll just have to see. Now, one of the things they've got is Jim Chaney is out at offensive coordinator. He's here in Knoxville, but James Coley, he's supposed to be more of an aggressive offensive coordinator, so we'll see how that fits into the mold there with what uh, Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs are wanting to do. The defense needs to have get a pass rush. I don't think their pass rush is going to be as strong this year as it's been in years past. And again, you've got some big contests, uh, and they're both coming to Athens. So luckily, Georgia gets their toughest opponents between the hedges this year in Notre Dame and Texas A&M. Their toughest road game is going to be at Auburn in November. But Notre Dame and Texas A&M both visit Athens. But the big question is, if they get to the SEC championship game and Alabama's there again 
are they going to be able to finally get over the hump and beat Alabama? We'll have to see how that goes because they've been within one play of beating Alabama twice and they haven't been able to get it done. So we will have to wait and see. But I still have Georgia winning the East. Florida, again, I think they're just right there. But I still think in that world's largest outdoor cocktail party that they have in Jacksonville, I think Georgia has just more top-to-bottom talent than Florida does. I do think Florida is going to be a strong challenger there in the East. Meanwhile, the rest of the teams in the East, they've got some really strong points, but then they've got some very big holes to fill when you look at them compared to Florida and Georgia. The biggest threat, I think, and the team that could be the most spoilerific if you look at them in the SEC East is the Missouri Tigers. They've got Clemson transfer Kelly Bryant there who's going to lead just an incredible offense. I think Missouri's offense could be one of the best in the country so we'll have to see. Now, again, the defense, we'll have to see where that lies. And again, how is being on probation and not being able to be eligible for postseason play going to affect morale, especially if they lose a few games, what's going to happen there? But I think Missouri, especially if they just get on a roll to start the season, I think Missouri could be a big surprise and be a big spoiler. You look at South Carolina, Jake Bentley, and he is a four-year starter now. He's got an experienced offense, but can they be more creative on offense? I mean, that's one of the things they've always run into is they have they've had playmakers there, but it just hasn't been a wow factor. They they haven't been just a crazy high scoring Gamecock offense. They've relied on that Will Muschamp defense. And last year, it wasn't that great. They had a very disappointing season last year. And we're going to see what's going to happen there because you do have a lot of veterans coming back from that team. Are they going to strive and make that next step? Are they going to be able, again, to break through and challenge Florida and Georgia? I personally don't see it happening. But again, South Carolina with Will Muschamp running a defense that hopefully will be better than it was last year. I do see South Carolina still being a tough out in SEC play. Kentucky, man, it was cool to see them get that 10 win and get to that you know, plateau there that you rarely see for a Kentucky football team. Of course, it was great that Tennessee was one of the teams that gave them one of their losses because that's how it's supposed to be. But again, Kentucky, I'm not going to blame them for taking a step back this year. You're not, I'm not going to get on Mark Stoops for that. They had a great team last year. And of course, having Benny Snell there running back, he's not going to be there anymore. And again, you can't blame Snell for going and trying his luck in the NFL, but he's not there to help Kentucky with that offense. We'll have to see. Terry Wilson is going to have to step up at quarterback. He's a good dual threat, but again, he can be erratic at times. So that's something you're going to have to pay attention to. I just don't see Kentucky being at the level that they were last year. I definitely don't see them beating Florida again. So we'll have to see. But again, Kentucky, they're still going to be competitive in this division. It's just not going to be, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. They're not going to surprise anybody. So we'll just have to see with that. Meanwhile, Vanderbilt, you've got Keyshawn Vaughn at running back and Jared Pink, uh, Pinkney. They're all American candidates at running back and tight end. It's just the rest of the team is something you got to look out for. Derek Mason having trouble on defense, which is something I'd never say for a Vanderbilt coach team with with Derek Mason there. I figured that my goodness, the defense was always going to be there. It was the offense we'd have to worry about? It might be vice versa because the defense was sloppy last year, and I don't see it getting much better. And of course, one thing you always have to worry about when you're a Vanderbilt team when you get. Some 
skill position players is you can't put it all together. It's always they're strong somewhere, but they're weak elsewhere. And I think the offense and defensive lines could be an issue for them. Meanwhile, Tennessee, and we'll dive deeper into the Vols here in a second. They've got great skill positions on offense. It's so much about the offense and defensive lines and are they going to be able to gel and put everything together. But we'll break down the Vols a little bit more in depth after we finish this SEC preview. But I do have Georgia winning the East. This is how I rank it when you talk about the order of finished in the East. I've got Georgia, Florida, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. That's my pick of where they finish in the division. Moving out to the West, I still have Alabama. It's still Alabama being the winners out West. Again, you've got Tua Tagovailoa there. You've got, uh, you know, Jared Judy at wide receiver. My goodness, that offense is just going to be, it was clicking on all cylinders last year. I don't see much of a drop off at all. Yes, the big thing you always have to worry about with Alabama, and it hasn't been an issue yet, but people keep bringing it up. And one of these days, I think we might see it where, again, you get all this talent and it's amazing how much talent Nick Saban is able to get and produce and make just into NFL caliber players. But you see so many of them go to the draft every year and he's just able to plug in another parade All-American there. You have to wonder if eventually that's just going to sneak up on him and it's just not going to be the case and they run a little thin there. The secondary, again, I think is questionable for Alabama. They were suspect to a lot of big plays in some of these games, but the offense was able to just make sure that that was not a factor. That could be the case again this year. But we'll see. And again, now you've got a book on Tua, and we'll see what happens with that. Our coach is going to be able to game plan around it. I think top to bottom, the SEC West is probably the toughest division again in college football. And you've got a couple of teams in there now that aren't going away. They're not going to back away. They're not afraid of Alabama. You've got, of course, LSU. Joe Burrow is now a competent quarterback, which is something LSU has been dying to have for so long. And they've also got four starters back on a very veteran offensive line. But one of the weird things is, and you don't see this much in LSU, they're weak at running back and they're weak on the defensive line. Yes, LSU's always been able pretty much to find every five-star recruit you've got in the state of Louisiana and be like, hey, come play at LSU. And they all just go there. So again, we'll see what Ed Orgeron and the guys there can do. They surpassed expectations last season. We'll see if they can live up to top 10 expectations this season. And again, of course, so much of that hinges on that game against Alabama. Meanwhile, Auburn, my goodness, they could have by far the best defensive line in the country. All four starters on that line could be NFL talent going into the draft. And also, they've got all five offensive linemen, all seniors, coming back. They had issues last year, but again, when you work together as a team for that long, you can gel very nicely and you know where everybody is, and it's really cool to see. I'm excited to see, again, I, I've, I, I will say this almost every week, it seems like I say this. You give me a great defensive line and a great offensive line, I'm going to win with that all day long. We'll see what Gus Malzahn can do. They've got speed for days, but again, that schedule that Auburn has, my goodness. And of course, now they've got a freshman starting at quarterback. Bo Nix is the starter going into the season. My goodness, you got this schedule versus Oregon to start the year. And, you know, Herbert the could be the first draft pick uh, in the NFL draft coming up. 
it could be that. It's amazing to see. So you've got Oregon to start the season at Texas A&M, at Florida, at LSU, and then you've got Georgia and Alabama coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium, the toughest schedule by far in the country, and it's Auburn. They could be great. Auburn could be just one of the by far best teams in the country, but that schedule is a bear when you look at it. No pun intended to Auburn fans with Alabama there. No no pun intended at all. It is a brutal, brutal schedule. Auburn could lose two of those games and be, they could be the best team in the country. They could be one of those where you could have an argument. Why not a two-loss team getting into the playoffs? They could be that good. We'll just see. And again, what happens if they lose against Oregon to start the season? I'm not predicting that to happen. I think Auburn's going to win that game. But if they lose it, I mean, again, we've, we've got people complaining about Gus Malzahn's buyout all last season, they could just start that right back up again if they just lose the first game, and again, a non-conference game against a top-quality opponent, and they could be ready to pack it in already on the Plains. Meanwhile, Texas A&M, their quarterback, Mond, he is now, he's got a lot of experience under his belt. He's got some great wide receivers to throw to. However, the offensive line allowed 35 sacks last season, so Mond got beat up a lot. We'll see if the offensive line can get any better. And also the secondary at Texas A&M, 253 passing yards was allowed per game there uh, in Aggieland, and that was not good. We'll see again. Jimbo Fisher, year two, they're paying him seven and a half million dollars a year to produce results. So we'll see if they can make that next step and get Texas A&M to again compete. It's it's Alabama is the bell cow of this division, and one of these teams has got to step up and knock them off. As Ric Flair always says, to be the man, woo, you got to beat the man. So we. Again, one of these teams is going to step up maybe and do it. I don't see it this year, but again, it's going to be a tough road to hoe for Alabama this season. Meanwhile, Mississippi State, God, they've got a great defense. They had a great defense last year, and they lost a lot of talent off of that. But Bob Shoup, remember when he was defensive coordinator here and Tennessee's defense was not good? As you can see by the body of work, it wasn't Shoup's fault there at all. He had the best defense in the country last season. They lost a lot of talent, but that defense is still going to be great there in Starkville. Again, it's the other side of the ball. Are they what are they going to be able to do on offense there at Mississippi State? Meanwhile, Ole Miss, you've got Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre as your new coordinators there. So you've got a lot of head coaching experience and guys who know the ropes in college football, but they haven't really been around the SEC that much. We'll have to wait and see, but again, the talent at Ole Miss and then also at Arkansas, it's patience. You're going to have to be patient and pick your spot and get more talent on a regular basis in there, and right now, that's not what Ole Miss and Arkansas have. They're fighting to stay out of last place to start in this, so again, You've got Alabama, LSU, Auburn, A&M, and Mississippi State are all teams that can knock each other off and beat each other up. But Ole Miss and Arkansas just not there yet in that division. But I do have Alabama and Georgia. Again, I know I am beating a dead horse at this point, but they're by far the top two teams in the SEC. And I've got them playing in the SEC championship. And I do have Georgia winning the SEC title. So that's what I've got. I'm going to ride with the dogs. Maybe I'm showing favoritism to Terry and Chase, but maybe this is the year they can finally get over the hump and beat Alabama in that SEC championship game. Meanwhile, you take a look 
at my beloved Vols. And this, of course, will talk plenty as I turn the page here on Modern Day Gladiators and move to the next page of my notes. Where does Tennessee stand in all of this? My goodness. Again, we mentioned it briefly. Jared Garantano, an experienced quarterback. You've got Ty Chandler, just a speedster at the running back position. You've got a great just group of wide receivers in Juwan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, Josh Palmer. You've got Dominic Wood Anderson as a could be an NFL caliber tight end right there. So you've got the guys there. You've got the horses to score some points. Then we just, it, it, so much of it really just relies, again, on line play. You give me the skill position players that I just mentioned, and you give me you know, Auburn's defensive line and Alabama's offensive line, your national championship contending team. But again, you've got to have it all together. The offensive line, and so much of it, again, shows, is Trey Smith going to be cleared to play? Right now, it looks like you could rotate 10 guys in and out in these first few games for Tennessee before the Florida game to see what you've got on that offensive line. Meanwhile, the defense has had some issues. Emmett Gooden is out. Torres ACL will have to, you know, he's gone for this season. Luckily, he has a red shirt year to use. Meanwhile, in just one of those other just annoying head scratchers, Bryce Thompson has been suspended uh, pending his arrest that he had with just, again, uh, domestic uh, domestic charges and threatening to shoot up schools and all these things. You got to look into it. We'll just see if he is able to come back, but he was probably our best cover corner last season, and now he could be out for a little while as this case works its way through. That's an issue, and we're still waiting to hear about if the NCAA is going to grant Aubrey Solomon the transfer from Michigan onto that defensive line immediate eligibility. We've still been waiting. He announced he was going to transfer back in January. It's now late August, and we still haven't heard anything. That's infuriating to me. Again, we're waiting on it, and my goodness, it would be great to have him back because losing Gooden on that defensive line, we need another experienced and top uh, defensive lineman in there. So, again, so much of Tennessee's success is going to ride on that line play on both sides of the ball. Is the offense going to be able to actually create holes for Chandler to run through and protect Jarrett Garantano because he got beat up a lot last year. So we'll just, and he can't, as great as those wide receivers are, the defensive secondaries in the SEC are very good. Garantano can't get away with what he did at Auburn and just keep chucking that ball up and getting it to those great wide receivers. It's not going to be as high a success rate as you think it could be with that, even though I would love to see that. The offensive line has got to give him some time to set his feet and throw the ball. So you look at the game-by-game schedule. You look at Georgia State. Obviously, should be a win. No issue there. Tennessee should win that one by four touchdowns and just have an easy time of it. BYU is interesting. They're going to be a tough out, but I still think Tennessee, especially if the heat and humidity is still just sweltering here in early September, I've got Tennessee beating BYU. I've got them, of course, taking care of Chattanooga. At Florida, I don't see it happening. As much as, again, I would love to see that because I can't stand Florida, but I don't see Tennessee beating Florida. I don't see us beating Georgia. The Mississippi State game October 12th could be the big one. We, you've got to see where these teams stand. You know, Mississippi State's got a lot of defense, but where's their offense at? Tennessee's got some skill position players. Are they going to be able to stop Mississippi State? That's going to be a big one. You've got 
of course, at Alabama, which again, I just throw out at this point. I, I it's it's sad that Tennessee just hasn't been competitive at all against Alabama in this losing streak. I mean, we've had a couple of close games, and that's been it. it the, the, there's been like two or three that have been within a touchdown. The rest of them have just it, it's not been close. It's just disgusting. Uh, South Carolina, that's again a possible win. UAB, that's a win at Kentucky, at Missouri, and Vanderbilt to close out the season. So you look at those, again, the back end of Tennessee's schedule, that's where Tennessee made their bones and just had these successful seasons for so long because we always took care of South Carolina, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt, and top to bottom, we should take care of Missouri on a regular basis. You win those games, you're going to a decent bowl game. If just then you got to get to that next level. But what you look at, Again, I think Tennessee might win a game that that they're not supposed to win, whether that be the South Carolina or Mississippi State game, because those are home games. They're in Neyland Stadium, and if the crowd's loud and in it, that can be a big factor. But then they might lose a game that they should win, whether it be you know the Vanderbilt game again, which is infuriating, or is it you know the Kentucky game? We'll just have to see what happens. I've got Tennessee going 7-5 and five in the regular season and getting back to a bowl game, which, again, would still be a very good result at the end of the year for my beloved Tennessee Vols. So I would take that all day with the group that we've got and where Jeremy Pruitt's got this team. Get me to a bowl game, win the bowl game, and everybody will feel really good going in to year three. And, of course, we'll break all that down more as the season progresses. You look at some of the other top games we've got in the season. I already mentioned Oregon and Auburn. You've got another, uh, you know, you've got Georgia at Vanderbilt to start the season, which it's never good to start on the road in conference, even if it's one of the more bottom teams in conference. Virginia Tech-Boston College could be a great ACC game to start the season. Duke-Alabama... And again, you, you've got Alabama winning that game, but you know David Cutcliffe's going to come up with something to at least frustrate Alabama for about three quarters, so that should be interesting to watch. Ole Miss and Memphis could be a really good matchup. Watch for UCLA at Cincinnati. If Cincinnati can win that game, then they got to play Ohio State. But if Cincinnati can win that game, watch out. Cincinnati is going to be a tough out for the Buckeyes, I think, going in and early on this season. Boise State versus Florida State in Jacksonville should be fun. Houston, Oklahoma, we'll see uh, where Houston is with Dana Holgerson as their new coach. But, of course, Oklahoma looks to roll in that one. But, again, the ultimate question, and I've talked a lot in this first segment. Thank you guys for hanging with me. Who's winning? Who's making the playoffs? Here are my predictions, and it might sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but I think this is what's going to end up happening. I've got Georgia and Alabama in the SEC, and then I've got Oklahoma, and I've got Clemson. It sounds like, again, this came out of two seasons ago, which would be the same, but... People are looking at Oregon. I just don't think, first of all, I don't think Oregon is going to beat Auburn to open the season. So, and then even if they run the table in the in the Pac-12, I just don't think they're going to break through with any of these other teams, especially if Georgia and Alabama go undefeated and face each other in that SEC championship game. I don't see that. Oklahoma, I think, has the best chance out there. And Clemson, I don't think there's going to be much of a challenge except maybe that Texas A&M game and that Syracuse game that we talked about. But I think Clemson, their offense is just going to roll until the defense comes around. And I'm not going to doubt Brett Venables and not being able to get a just high quality top 10 defense, no matter what, no matter what tools he's given. So I see that. My goodness. And then 
as much as I'm just beating a dead horse, I've got, oh my goodness, I've got Alabama and Clemson again in the title game. And Alabama is just playing with such a chip on their shoulders. But I really think that Dabo Sweeney is Nick Saban's Achilles heel. And I've got Clemson beating Alabama again for the championship. I'm running with the Clemson Tigers. I could be completely wrong on that one. And Alabama might just blow them out to end the season. And with that chip on their shoulder. It's not even a chip. It's a boulder on Alabama's shoulder and Nick Saban. It, it wouldn't surprise me, of course, if Saban just destroyed Clemson, but for some reason, I think Dabo might have Saban's number at this point, especially because Trevor Lawrence is by just an amazing, amazing quarterback. So I've got the Clemson Tigers going back-to-back, winning the college football national championship. That's going to wrap up this first segment of Modern Day Gladiators. Thank you guys so much for hanging with me, taking a quick break, but we're back with Shibbles and Bits and everything happening in the world of professional wrestling right after this. You're listening to Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. Ah, yes. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You hear the music. It's time for Shibbles and Bits. But before we get into Shibbles and Bits, let's, of course, thank the wonderful people at Joe Shirt for just being with us here at the Outlander Media Network. My goodness. You go to JoeShirt.com, check out all the great things that they've got there. Again, they can provide great shirts. You got an idea with helping your brand, your company, you're a, a stand-up comedian, you've got a podcast network, you've got a great company outing, you've got a family reunion, whatever you're thinking of, work with the people. Go to JoeShirt.com and check them out, especially if you're here in Knoxville. It's free shipping, but man, they've got great high-quality shirts. They've been doing this for over 30 years, and they know what they're doing. We've got some great merchandise that's coming to outlandermedia.net in the next couple of weeks. So again, check them out. They can help you. Of course, Joe Shirt Deluxe. If you got an idea for mugs or banners, pencils, lighters, anything, anything you want to put your brand on, Joe Shirt can help you there. And again, go to joeshirt.com. They'll be able to help you out and help your brand, whatever that brand may be. And of course, you got to check out Otherworldly Coffee. Man, these guys are just going lockstep with my boys over at Halfle. I mean, they all love different conspiracies and, and other just types of, you know, weird ideas when it comes to, you know, uh... You've got the you've got Bigfoot, you know, other just otherworldly thoughts. You've got the Bigfoot blend, which of course is their leading uh, coffee. Again, it's a great medium roast cryptid coffee. And then of course they've got their other bl- brands. It's another medium roast, the Dogman blend. You've got uh, the Mothman blend. These are all medium roasts. But then of course you've got the dark roast, the Thunderbird blend, which you need to check out. You can check all of these out, and they've got a sampler pack. You want to try all of them? Check out the sampler pack. If you go to otherworldlycoffee.com and when you check out, you buy anything, if you use the code Outlander, you're going to get 20% off that order, which is just a great one. That's going to cover far more than just the shipping to get it. And again, all of these have been uh, blended and roasted by the Temecula Coffee Roasters out in Temecula, California. It's great coffee. 
just try it out. These guys are, we're, we're just so happy to have them as part of the Outlander family. So check them out, otherworldlycoffee.com. Get them and tell them that Modern Day Gladiator sent you. Again, use the code OUTLANDER at checkout for 20% off. Let's finally dive in here to Shibbles and Bits. Of course, the big news that's not college football related that has been going around uh, right now is the fact that Andrew Luck, at 29 years old, he's turning 30 uh, next month, announced his retirement from the Colts over the weekend. It came out, the, the news from Adam Schefter came out right in the middle of the Colts preseason game against the Bears. Andrew Luck again showing that just he his heart's not in it anymore at this time. I mean, he's had four years of injury, rehab, games, injury, rehab, games. I mean, he was out the whole season two years ago, even though last year he had the best statistical season he's ever had. And the Colts are prime to make another run in the postseason. You've got a great offensive, a by far much better offensive line than Andrew Luck had for much of his career there in Indianapolis. And again, who knows what you got, especially the Houston Texans. They just lost Lamar Miller with a torn ACL, so their starting running back is out. And then, of course, the Tennessee Titans. Who knows where Mariota is going to be able to take them, and I have no idea what's going on with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you look at the Colts, that's a great pick to make a run. And the fact that now Luck is out and they're running with uh, Reset, who again has done some things in the NFL, nowhere near what Andrew Luck has done. But you see where he has, and again, I'm not going to go up against Andrew Luck and deciding to retire if if it is just he if he's in that much pain and just constantly not wanting to put his body through that anymore, and it, it's not fun for him anymore. Then don't worry about it. He's got millions of dollars. The Colts are going to let him keep all the bonus money that he was entitled. But it just bothers me when you see it again. I'm not talking about all. Indianapolis Colts fans when it comes to this, but there was a very loud group of them, and again, it's a preseason game, but they're watching Andrew Luck leave when the news of his retirement had finally gotten to them, and they're just booing him when he's been when he's been on the field, the top, you know, ten quarterback in the in and being able to make something out of nothing. They haven't had an offensive line to protect him up until now in Indianapolis. So the fact that he's wanting to retire and just booing somebody like that just drives me up a wall when it's like there's no shame that anybody has at all. And I'm sure some of them are like, well, how dare I, you know, drafted him or my fantasy team? Who cares? This is a guy worried about his health. And of course, who knows? He might make the decision after taking another year out that his body feels good. But as someone who has been through, you know, different injuries and different things where, hey, you're feeling better no matter what game you're playing or what track meet you're running. You feel better after maybe a couple of days of rest, but then you get right back out there and it just hurts again. He might feel great after a whole season and decide to maybe try and come back, and then he gets hit one more time and he's hurt again. I use the comparison, I had an ex-girlfriend who I knew I was running into her at at an event years later and you have those moments of nostalgia where you remember the good times and it's 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 great you're like why did we ever break up and then i talked to her for five minutes and i was like oh right you're a crazy person that's why i'm not with you anymore so it's the same thing where he could just long for the greatness of playing football but then he gets hit 
once and decide, no, I'm done with this. We'll just have to wait and see. And those of you who are saying, oh, he's going to join his dad in the XFL, he's got a contract with the Colts. He can't just retire and say, like, I'm going to the XFL. That's not how any of that works. So that's just a pipe dream at that point. But my goodness, again, shame on the people who were booing him. That's just not... That's not the way you're supposed to do things. And again, if he doesn't want to play anymore, he's got $100 million probably in the bank and wants to travel the world with his wife, by all means do that. If I had $100 million, and again, if enough of you give us five-star reviews, who knows how much money I could make doing this, but I would travel the world with my beautiful wife and not have to worry about throwing a football ever again. That would be the dream of mine and my wife's, is to just travel the world and have a grand time seeing everything that this wonderful world has. But again, wish Andrew Luck the best of luck, pun intended, I guess, with whatever he's wanting to do. And again, if he wants to come back, then he's got my blessing. He doesn't need it. And if he d- wants to stay retired, then do go to the booth. Go do whatever. You're a Stanford grad, smart guy, nerdy guy. I like him a lot, and I wish him all the best. Another couple of quick shibbles and bits notes. Uh, congratulations to the team from Louisiana for winning the Little League World Series, blowing out Curacao 8 to nothing in the final to win it. Uh, they dropped the first game to Hawaii to open this. And again, it's double elimination in the Little League World Series, but then they just went on a tear. They were blowing people out from what I was able to watch of the Little League World Series, which was really cool to see. And they, again, got revenge against Hawaii. And then they beat Curacao going away to win the Little League World Series. Congratulations to them. They won six games in eight days and looked great doing it. My hat's off to those kids representing the USA very well. So congratulations. You've earned it. And always fun to watch the Little League World Series. Wrapping up shibbles and bits here real quick. Congratulations to Rory McIlroy for winning the Tour Championship. Uh, you know, $15 million is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, it's not a major, but I'd take $15 million for a, a weekend's work. So that's really good. Uh, my goodness, the biggest uh, thing that happened, though, over the weekend with the Tour Championship where six spectators were injured when lightning struck a tree at the East Lake Golf Club. Uh, during a weather delay Saturday afternoon, lightning struck the top of a tree near the 15th green, 16th tee, and it was injured uh, people debris, struck and injured four people. Uh, luckily, none of them had anything that was deemed life-threatening, but my goodness, lightning is something I would never want to mess with. I mean, you're around that stuff, get indoors, that lightning scares me. Uh, the only adage I ever had on a golf course is Advice from Lee Trevino, former major championship winner, because he was struck by lightning on a golf course. He always said, uh, next time I'm out there and there's lightning, I'm going to hold up a one iron because not even God can hit a one iron. And I agree with him with that. That's going to wrap up Shibbles and Bits. We're going to dive right into the world of professional wrestling in the squared circle. King of the Ring action happening over Raw. You've got, so far, you've got six of the uh, quarterfinal matches Ready to go. We've got two matches left on SmackDown, but the guys who had advanced, Samoa Joe and Cedric Alexander, we mentioned those last week. You've also got Ricochet and Baron Corbin are all into the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, you've got Elias uh, beating uh, Kevin Owens under scrupulous means with Shane McMahon getting involved, which is annoying. And then you've got Andrade, who looks like he could make a deep run 
in the King of the Ring on the SmackDown side. The two matches uh, up for SmackDown, Ali versus Buddy Murphy, which just could be incredible if they give that enough time. And then you got Chad Gable versus Shelton Benjamin, which could also be really good if, again, they give it time. And again, besides the the pretty much the the Kevin Owens-Elias matchup. Every other match here so far in the King of the Ring has been stellar and let it go to a great clean finish, so I'm looking forward to that. But the big matchups happening in the world of wrestling are happening with All Elite Wrestling as All Out. They're uh, just next pay-per-view event that they've got. It's the third pay-per-view, but this one is back at the uh, at the place in Chicago where they had All In last year and just pretty much got the idea to launch this entire promotion. My goodness, another big matchups uh, coming out of this one. Running down the card real quick as we wrap things up. You got Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt uh, teaming up to face SCU in a match. I'm going to go with SCU to get the win in that one. You've got Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans on the pre-show. That should be just another great tag team match. I'm going with Private Party to get the win there. Riho versus Hardy Kushida in a Josie spotlight match. I'm going to go with Riho getting the win in that one. Also on the pre-show, you've got the 21-woman casino battle royal, working like the men's one that happened at Double or Nothing, where you've got uh, five, you've got 20 uh, competitors all get a card, and they've all got five of them all have the same matching suit. Uh, So five start in the ring. And then it's over the top rope. Both feet have to touch the floor. And then uh, the next suit comes out three minutes later. So another five. They do it five by five by five. And then the last one, whoever gets the Joker gets the wild card, is uh, coming into the matchup. They're going to come in last. I'm going to go with Nyla Rose to get the win in this one. She's been great every time I've seen her compete here in All Elite Wrestling. But I think she's finally due for a big win. So I'm going with Nyla Rose getting the win in the Battle Royal. You've got the Cracker Barrel Clash. It's just going to be an insane hardcore match. Darby Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc. I'm going to go with Janela to get the win in that one because until he dies, I mean, good Lord, Joey Janela goes crazy. I love watching him. Uh, so I've got Joey Janela getting that win. You've got Cody Rhodes versus Sean Spears in a big grudge match. Of course, Sean Spears hitting Cody Rhodes over the head with a steel chair at Fight for the Fallen. I'm sorry, that was at Fighter Fest, uh, but again, still just an ugly, ugly chair shot there. You've got the best friends taking on the Dark Order. I've got the Dark Order getting the win in that one. You've got the AAA uh, Tag Team Championships on the line. The Lucha Bros taking on the Young Bucks in a ladder match. I'm going to go with the Lucha Bros getting the win. The Young Bucks, of course, defeated the Lucha Bros uh, in the... For for the championships, they retained the championships at Double or Nothing, and then the Lucha Bros won them back. And now, and then the Lucha Bros with the Laredo Kid beat the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega in AAA. It was the same one that they had at Fighter Fest, where the Young Bucks and Kenny the Elite won. I'm going back and forth, but I've got the Lucha Bros getting the win in this ladder match. It should be incredible, as always. You've got, of course, the big news coming before All Out happened was the fact that John Moxley had to pull out of his match with Kenny Omega because he got staph infection, which is nasty. Uh, wish him a speedy recovery there, but unfortunately he has to miss it. But they make a call, and the guy who was supposed to fight Hangman Page back at Double or Nothing Pac, and then they had some creative differences, which I don't have time to go into here, but they made a call, so it's going to be Pac versus Kenny Omega in that one. I've got Kenny Omega getting the win, and of course you've got the AEW World Championship on the line as Hangman Page 
Page takes on Chris Jericho. I'm going to go with Jericho getting the win. I think it'd be great, again, to cement yourself as a great wrestling organization, having a future Hall of Famer and all-time great in Chris Jericho being the first one to carry that beautiful AEW World Heavyweight Championship belt. So I've got Chris Jericho beating Hangman Page with the Judas Effect. And again, should be another great card. And of course, we'll be back to recap that and everything that happened in the world of college football over week one coming up next week on Modern Day Gladiators. But that's wrapping up this week's episode. I will see you next week. Too sweet. Love you guys. See you next time.